Welcome back to One on One, New York's longest-running sports call-in show. I'm Andrew Galata, alongside Tom Quigley, and now we're joined by Knicks Radio play-by-play voice, Ed Cohen. How you doing, Ed? Guys, Andrew Thomas, great to be with you. Thanks so much. No, thank you for coming on. And, you know, obviously with Sunday's series between the Knicks and Hawks, I just want to jump right into it. All Knicks fans, so anticipated. First time they've been in the playoffs since 2013. So I just wanted to jump right into it, ask you, what do you think the biggest key to victory is for the Knicks here in this series against the Hawks? Well, well, you know, Andrew, I'll tell you what, this really has the makings in a four or five matchup to be a really good series. And I know the Knicks beat the Hawks three times in the regular season in different ways, but you really can't put too much into those games because the first two, Atlanta had a different coach in Lloyd Pierce. The last one at the Garden, which the Knicks won in overtime, Trey Young went down, sprained his left ankle with about a minute to go in the third quarter. So with that said, Julius Randle, number one, has played so well the last couple of years, but certainly this year against the Hawks. I mean, he has two 40-point games against Atlanta. I really expect him to continue at that pace. I don't know if he's going to score 40 in this series, but I think he's somebody who the matchups are favorable against Atlanta. So one key beyond that is who else steps up? Where are you getting the consistent scoring from? Maybe it's R.J. Barrett. Maybe it's Reggie Bullock. Maybe it's a guy like Derrick Rose. But in a nutshell, it can't just be Julius Randle. And I think on the other side of it, defensively, look, Trey Young has had another terrific year. Now, he's not scoring as much as he did his second year in the NBA, and he's not taking as many threes. But where he's been at his best, especially under Nate McMillan, has been his decision-making and his consistently, uh, consistency still at getting to the foul line. I mean, he gets their fourth most attempts per game behind Embiid, Adetokounmpo, and Zion. That's really good for a guy at his position. So where's Trey Young getting his points? That's the question. You don't want to give him too many opportunities in getting to the foul line because he's so good there. And then adding to that, there's no Mitchell Robinson So what can the Knicks do effectively against a guy like Clint Capella? Those are some. uh, But again, I really think this is going to be a well-fought, hard-earned series for whoever breaks through. uh, Probably five, six, maybe even seven games. Ed, you mentioned a few players that uh, will definitely need to contribute, um, as well as Randall, if the Knicks want to have any chance in this series. Um, do you think that there's one specific player on the Knicks uh, that's maybe unsung um, and uh, will need to play well uh, if the Knicks want to have success in this postseason? You know, Thomas, if there's one guy I would say offensively, and I know I mentioned it before, it's R.J. Barrett. And if you look at what R.J. Barrett has done since the All-Star break, I mean, his three-point shot has been really good, especially from the corners. And I think the Knicks with their passing and the way they work with one another, they're so good at setting up those types of shots. His shooting really isn't a concern. I think it's more the consistency, especially early in games. He's had some tough first halves. And I think if they could get something from him early in the series and early in games, uh, that's going to be paramount because you want to keep the pressure on Atlanta and they've got a good rim protector in Clint Capella and they have other guys with really good length on the defensive end. If R.J. Barrett can get to the rim with some consistency and finish, and that's something he, he gets to the rim 
a lot of times with ease, but can he finish more consistently? If he does that, I think it's a, it's a whole different series for the Knicks. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, you talk about, you know, R.J. Barrett. You also talk about Julius Randle and they're like most improved players. They're all for that. But I, I also want to talk about Derrick Rose because, you know, obviously he had the first stint with the Knicks and didn't go that well. And he's just been outstanding. I feel like every game I watch him play, it's like he's shooting out of a cannon sometimes. And that athleticism to me looks like it's getting back to, you know, that level pre-injury and stuff. Obviously not there 100 percent, but he's just so, such an exciting player for you. What's different, you know? with him, like compared to where he was in New York the first time compared with now. Andrew, number one, if it's okay with you, I think I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> Derek Rose shot out of the cannon. Uh, great stuff. You know, uh, he said this the other day on social media, he's 32 years old. I mean, this is somebody who 10 years ago was over 10 years ago was the youngest MVP ever in NBA history. He was 22 years old bulls when he was healthy reached the Eastern Conference Finals. He's not that guy physically anymore, but what he is now is a wily vet. He's smart. He's seen it all. He knows his body. He knows what he can give. And I think that's allowed him to survey a little bit more. He's not going to beat you with his talent and his athleticism now at this point in his career. But when you bring a guy like that in off the bench with a good Knicks second group, that's a really, really tough matchup for a lot of second units around the NBA. And you look at the six-man nominations. What Utah's done is incredible. They have two guys from their team who were six-man candidates in Clarkson, who's probably going to win, and Joe Ingles. For Derrick Rose in 35 games as a Nick to be that third nominee says all you need to know in terms of his impact. And the fact of the matter is, you know, he missed a month Part of it was the all-star break, but he missed a month having COVID. He came back from that and he spoke about it. It was a tough case um, and has played so well. And the Knicks don't go three on three on that West Coast road trip without him. So he brings so much to the table. And I think without him, uh, it's a great point. We're not having this conversation about the Knicks being a real threat to move to the second round as a fourth seed without Derrick Rose. And a lot of the excitement going into this matchup um, is kind of in the uh, – or is more based in the Knicks defense matchup against the Hawks offense. Uh, a lot of excitement going into that, uh, especially with the way that New York's played all season um, in this new Thibodeau defense. But what do you make of the matchup on the other side of the ball? How do you see the Knicks offense matching up against the Hawks D? Thomas, it's a, it's a fair point. It's a good question. I think – if you're to take anything away from the first three games that they played one another. And again, um, you can't put too much into those. Nick shot well the last two. I think they were 52% from three the last two games against the Hawks. Both were at the Garden. They made something like 36 threes in 69 attempts. That's pretty good. I think those types of shots will still be there. And taking nothing away from Atlanta and how they rotate and get after shooters – but I do think that there will be opportunities the way the Knicks pass the ball, the way they free up open shots, uh, what they do in terms of using the clock in the half court. I think that's going to be there. Uh, the next question is, what can they get at the rim? We know that Alfred Payton has really struggled lately. And he's a point guard who, when he's on the floor at his best, uh, is a guy who can put pressure on the rim. We haven't seen that in a long time for the Knicks. 
Uh, so who else can do that? I think Rose certainly can off the bench. Barrett certainly can. And now the next question, do you get anything offensively from a guy like Nerlens Noel? And he's not someone who takes a lot of shots, but look, you're going against Clint Capella and you can't just back off and say, we're not going in there at some point. Uh, it's going to have to be an option for the Knicks. Uh, we'll see who it comes from. But if you look at the first three games, and again, I preface it very carefully with so much has changed since those three regular season meetings. Knicks fared well against the Hawks team that's better under Nate McMillan defensively, but is still middle of the pack in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. And I think for me, I think this whole Knicks team, everyone talks about Tom Thibodeau and obviously up for coach of the year. And he's just been so great for this team. Do you feel like in the playoffs, that advantage of having Thibodeau, especially with a young team when, you know, you're going up, I mean, I know the Hawks are a young team as well, but, you know, having that veteran presence, that strong coaching presence in the playoffs, how much do you think that helps maybe compared to the regular season or other teams? You know, Andrew, what Tom Thibodeau has done this year has been nothing short of remarkable. And, uh, it's crazy to say now, but it was almost instantaneous. Now, I don't know if it was instantaneous in terms of the moment the Knicks took the floor in the regular season, but in terms of the approach, the accountability, the message, and most specifically what the Knicks have had to do defensively uh, day one. I mean, you could just feel the difference. Uh, I think the other side to that is, and you mentioned getting ready for the playoffs and his experience, you know, for a lot of us, these last seven days after the Knicks played in the regular season and getting ready for game one, I mean, it feels like an all-star break. It's almost too much time. You know, it's the beauty of the play-in and the games out West were unbelievable, but man, we're all chopping at the bit to get going for game one. The good part for the Knicks is Tom Thibodeau is so meticulous in his preparation. And you just know you give him seven days to get ready for Atlanta. Uh, he's going to be ready for Trey Young, the Hawks, how to attack it. So I think without a doubt, the experience of having taken a team to the conference finals, he's won four series as an NBA head coach in the playoffs. Um, you give him that time to prepare. Uh, he could be a really big asset when you're going against another team in the postseason. So the garden is going to have 15,000 fans tonight or Sunday night. Sorry about that. Um, how does that affect the general playoff intensity. Um, and do you think that the Knicks will have a better chance of winning this series because they have that home crowd advantage? Thomas, it's, it's a great point. You know, the Knicks didn't have fans until February 23rd, and then they had them last 22 games of the year. And the difference in having no fans to 1900 was a major jump. I think going on the road, some teams had consistently 3,000, 5,000. The one place where the fans really made a difference this year, I think, was in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago. They had 8,000 fans. Suns made a run, finished the game, I think, 47-17. I think the fans really had a big part in that. So you go from 1,900 at the Garden to 15,000. I mean, it's going to be a jolt. And let's be honest, nobody in the NBA has been used to this for over a year. This is going to be the largest crowd in an NBA game this season, which is remarkable to say. It's also so refreshing to say because it means in terms of the pandemic, we're all uh, near the finish line. So that's just wonderful news to anybody's ears. But 
Uh, it's going to be wild. I mean, the fans have been waiting, uh, not just for the Knicks to be back in the playoffs, but to get back in the building. Uh, home teams historically didn't do, or within history, didn't really do very well this year. The home records were, in terms of percentage, as low as it's been in years in the NBA. Uh, this is going to be a home court advantage. It's, it's going to be unbelievable. We'll see if the roof is still on the garden after game one. Before we let you, let you go, Ed, I want to ask one more question um, about Mike Breen, obviously a Fordham alum. And I heard you were at his Hall of Fame induction uh, ceremony last week. For you, you know, what was that experience to see Mike get that award? And were there any moment, moments you know, with your time with him that really stick out and you know, that you really think, oh, like that was a great Mike Breen moment? <laughs> you know, guys, I mean, you guys are students right now at Fordham University and are part of WFUV. And I can only imagine what it's like to think about the people who've come before you and to watch on a regular basis. And I'm sure Mike has at some point interacted with you guys because he gives so much back to Fordham. Um, he's the absolute best. And mm. selfishly, one of the best parts of my job is working side by side with him, seeing him at the arena with his preparation, how he treats people, uh, what his family means to him. He advocates for so many, and yet this is the voice of the NBA. And he would never tell you that because he would say we're all part of it. Uh, but he has called more finals than anybody in history on ABC and ESPN. Um, and he can make you feel like you're the most special person in the world when he speaks to you. Uh, he's an amazing man. And when we went up there uh, to Connecticut, it was just such a joy uh, to be part of his celebration because it was just such a great time for him and his family. Uh, in terms of uh, a special moment I've had with him, uh, oh, it's, it's so hard to pick one, uh, but I can tell you that uh, Again, I'm spoiled because I get to be around the best who does it now and one of the best who's ever done it on a regular basis. And um, the amount you learn about basketball, broadcasting, and life, um, it, it never gets old. We're just um, we're so happy for him. And I'll tell you what, uh, there was a contingent from Fordham who made the trip as well to Mohegan Sun last week. So Coach Gately, Coach Neptune, Eddie Cole, uh, it was great for Fordham to support Mike as well in, um, you know, just the, the honor of a lifetime, you know, getting into the Hall of Fame. That's awesome. <laughs> the radio voice of the New York Knicks, Ed Collin. Thank you for joining us, Ed. Andrew Thomas, thanks, guys. Enjoy the playoffs. We'll be right back on one-on-one, -on -one, New York's longest-running sports call-in show.